For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. And it's not quite so magnificent. Spent the weekend in Knoxville. I guess I got up there on Wednesday after the show. Uh, had a great time with the wife. The, the company was amazing. The baseball, not so much. And uh, I, I tell you this, we open the show sometimes talking about how great it feels to win. Man, it sucks to lose. It really does. You know, for me, I'm sure many of you share this same affliction. You know, the misery of losing far exceeds the joy of winning. It, it does. I, I can't stand it. I absolutely cannot stand to lose. I'm a hyper-competitive person. I like to affiliate myself with winners. I'm not a, a bandwagonist or by any stretch of the imagination. I'm a true maroon bulldog through and through. But the reality of it is, is we are not playing baseball consistent with our tradition the standards that we have for this program. And this weekend, we hoped to go up there and get a game. We didn't get a game. We had a chance to get a game. Bullpen couldn't hold it. Had a couple of guys have some good offensive weekends. But the reality of it is it's a team game. It's not just about what you score. It's about what you let in. And we let in more than we scored. And it stinks. It absolutely stinks. I'll be honest with you guys, on Saturday, you know, when that game began to get away from us and we cleared it was going to be some separation in the ball game. I'm sitting here thinking to myself, man, there's a lot of places in the world I'd rather be. But we stick it out. We treat it with uh, professional gloves. Try to do a good job for you guys. Uh, I did something I don't ordinarily do, though, because of the fact that, um, you know, the weekend was so poor. I did not do a player interview on Sunday, which is rare. I don't, I don't know that I've – honestly, I've, I've ever done that in all the years that I've covered Mississippi State baseball. I don't know that I have um, – passed on the player interview and quite honestly um, I was ready to go but also too I thought you know what I want to ask Chris uh, some you know kind of some pointed questions and uh, you know I wanted to focus on that not to mention I didn't want to bring another player up there because the same thing I mean what do you expect him to say well we you know we got to have a good week of practice we got a battle we still got something to play for all that's true I just didn't want to force a guy to have to go out there and say it again I didn't, uh, not to mention the fact that um, there was a possibility I was going to be in San Diego, California today. Many of you have been uh, very supportive of us and said, hey, what's going on with the new business? I can't officially announce it yet. You know, my, I, my wife is actually in San Diego. She flew out yesterday. We made that decision on Saturday, and she flew out on Sunday. We were supposed to go up for uh, training in September, but they really wanted to get her out there now. I just couldn't work it out. 
and it's because I wanted to be with all of you. I mean, of course, there, I've never been to San Diego. And I've always wanted to go. And so I'm a little jealous that she's out there. Plus, I'm excited about the new business, and I'm excited for her. I'm excited for the opportunity that she has, and I wanted to be able to experience all that with her. I just couldn't work it out because I needed to be here with all of you. And uh, I've been away, what, six nights of the last eight, I think. And so we're home this week, and I still got a high school senior at home too. So I'm asking a lot, right? I just couldn't, couldn't pull the trigger on it. But uh, she's out there, and uh, I'll be hearing from her shortly. And uh, she'll begin the uh, first day of training for the new business. And hopefully we'll have an announcement here for you soon. Hopefully. You know how it works. You're waiting on people to send you paperwork, sign, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, until you've got a legal binding agreement, you can't make a lot of public declarations. And once we do, it's going to be super cool. There's going to be a lot of you that are going to be like, hey, what is this about? How does this work? How does it benefit me? I'm going to be here to share it, with, share it with you. But it's going to be great, nothing like it uh, in this area, for sure. And uh, we're excited, not just the fact that, um, you know, I've always had a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit. I'm happy to have my wife home on a regular basis, be able to go to bed with her every night. Let me tell you this, for, the, for those of you that are able to enjoy that, having your loved one home, whether it be your husband, your wife, or whoever, your significant other, if you're able to go to, go to bed with them at night and break bread with them every night, you are a blessed person. Don't ever, ever, ever take that for granted. That's probably the biggest lesson I've learned in the last year. Because you, know, you go through life and they got to be okay. Well, I'll figure it out. You know, I'll go to this rock show. I'll go to this. I'll go see these people do that. And at some point, you got to lay down in the bed at night and you're like, what am I doing with my life? I don't know how much time I got left. Why did I ever think this was a good idea? That's what I've dealt with. And so we're working through that. But uh, the reality of it is something super cool coming to Starkville. Uh, ready to get that finished. You know, um, and, and again, you know, I'm not legally obligated to anything yet. I mean, if I get to the end of this thing and I don't think it's the right deal for us, we'll, we'll recalibrate. But um, I do think things are going to be just fine. So uh, unless somebody pulls something out at me at the last minute that uh, I'm not comfortable with, you know, it, it's a big commitment, right? I mean, when you're opening a business, it, it, the financial commitment to that is uh, tremendous. Not just, imagine, not just in addition to the emotional commitment and your time and kind of changing your life and things like that. I mean, there's a lot to it a lot to it so we're working through it hopefully be able to have an announcement for you guys i've had a bunch of people reach out uh, and ask about it and uh people said hey steve we're going to support you whatever you do and that means more to me than i can ever say all right let's thank our friends at bulldog burger company i plan to go support them this week i've been hankering for that mississippi barbecue burger again i didn't think i was gonna like it as much as i do but i do and I've got a craving for it, so I'm going to go satisfy that craving at some point today. Uh, I had the uh, pork belly and uh, chorizo nachos. I like those. I don't like them as much as the spring rolls, and maybe you're not a spring roll person. Maybe you're a nacho person. And I encourage you to give those nachos a try. You'll be glad you did. And I think it's important to understand, too, that uh, that great restaurant-quality hamburger is uh, one of the fine delicacies in life. I want to take this time to remind you, too, if you're going to be in the uh, greater Tupelo area Friday, May the 5th, our friend Dale Rushing is performing at Bulldog Burger Company in Tupelo. It's going to begin at 6 p.m. Maybe get off work, go by, enjoy some happy hour drinks, and enjoy some live music from Dale Rushing. Uh, that's become a regular thing now. That's a, a new thing at, at the uh, Tupelo location. 
great place for live music. Go out there and just kind of wind down this weekend and enjoy uh, the spring rolls. It'll make you better looking, but also enjoy a great restaurant quality hamburger and some live music. Dale Rushing. It's this Friday, May 5th. All the fun begins at 6 p.m. And uh, three great locations to serve you. Of course, Tupelo, Starkville, Lake Harbor Drive, and a rich and flowwood area. Be sure and go check them out today. Have the spring rolls as your appetizer. That's a commandment, not a suggestion. And maybe get that chocolate shake to go. I'm kind of a fan of the Nutella. I'm already thinking, like, what day am I going to get in there and what shake I'm going to get, You know, right? I don't like to just fly by the seat of my pants. I'm thinking I'm going to go in there and get that Mississippi barbecue burger, probably get some onion rings and get that Nutella shake to go. That's probably what I'm leaning towards. You go get them and let me know. Give me your review. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. All right, let's talk about this terrible weekend. You know, here's the deal, too. Before we do that, before we get into that, I, I would be remiss if I didn't throw a shout-out out to the Bulldog softball team. It's been a difficult year. We do have a winning record. We're 6-14 and 14 in the conference, but um, big weekend for Coach Samantha Ricketts' uh, Bulldogs is uh, they sweep the series from – Former number 20, Kentucky. That's 6-2, Pretty cool deal. And uh, Sunday was Samoan Day. Last home game also for a lot of our Bulldog seniors. And uh, the ladies will have a midweek game at Sanford on Thursday and then head down to Auburn uh, for the final regular season um, series of the year. So congratulations to the, to the, uh, the softball dogs. For a nice little SEC weekend sweep. And congratulations to everybody, uh, friends, family, everybody involved with that. Uh, got, got our work cut out for us this weekend at Auburn. But nevertheless, let's go make some things happen. All right, let's get into this uh, baseball stuff. It's rough, man. It is. It's rough. I can tell you, uh, I know like many of you, I put so much emotional energy into this. I look so forward to Mississippi State baseball. I do every year. Like, as soon as it ends, like a week later, I'm already missing it. I miss the uh, schedule. I miss the busyness of baseball. I love the game of baseball. I love Mississippi State baseball. I, if you don't know, I got an M over S tattoo on my left hand with thunder and lightning in the background. NAFL championship tattoo on my right thigh. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm true maroon, man, as many of you are as well. But you look at the numbers here. All right, so heading into Friday, the Bulldogs were 24 and 17, and Tennessee was 27 and 14. And I can tell you that, uh, you, you, my, and my wife even asked me, she said, how, you know, how good is Tennessee? I said, well, they're hot right now. Uh, they're hot right now. They weren't 10 days ago, but they are now. They sweep Vanderbilt, and of course, it's just our luck. We catch them when they're red hot, and, and kind of they made some changes and kind of found a sense of themselves. But at the end of the day, we're Mississippi State. It shouldn't matter what other teams do. We should expect teams to go out there and have to make changes to face us because we're bringing the better better product to the field. But we didn't. But you start thinking, looking at these records, and say there's not a lot of difference between the teams and the overall records. The league records are pretty close. And, uh, you know, we had a, both had a 5-10 and 10 mark heading into uh, 
Auburn weekend for us. And we drop two and three out there, and they, they take three from Vanderbilt. So, of course, they're kind of finding a sense of themselves, and we kind of lost our way a little bit. But I can tell you this, after watching these two teams in person, and, and, and again, this is not a hot take, but the reality of it is Tennessee's got a lot more talent than we do. They do. All right, let's talk about the uh, ball game here. Uh, Dave Marchand, again, earning his keep as your leadoff hitter. Not just playing well defensively, but he is contributing offensively. Uh, singles back up the middle and still second. So right out of the gate, we've got a runner in scoring position with two, three, and four coming up. They walk Ledbetter and they walk Hines. Base is loaded. You're thinking, hey, let's get a crooked number right here. I guess we've already talked about this game, haven't we? I don't to think about it because we were, we were Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So, now we're not going to talk about that game. So, I apologize for that. We've already talked about that game. So, we're going we're gonna to hit that X and we're going to go ahead and skip to Friday because that was the ball game. Remember, we had bases loaded in the first and only get one. All right. So, my mistake, my mistake, f- please forgive me. All right. Top of first on Friday, game number two. Uh, Marshawn lengthy at bat here, but strikes out swinging. And honestly, that's one of the only, like, really detriments of the first inning. Chase Dollander came out there, the guy that a lot of people projected to be a first-round draft pick this year. He's had trouble locating, and, and State had a really good game plan against him. Went right to work on him. And again, he, he falls behind Marshawn, and then ultimately comes back and gets a case swinging. But it was a good at bat. And especially for a leadoff guy. You want your leadoff guy, especially early in the ballgame, and go out there and see everything a guy's got and be able to come give you an advanced scouting report there in the dugout. Well, he falls behind Ledbetter 2-0. Then we dump a single in left field and then still second. Hines then uh, beats out an infield single, and uh, if you had that on your, um, on your card, you have won Bulldog baseball bingo. I don't know that I ever expected. Hunter Hines, a, a great power hitter, don't get me wrong, not the fleetest of foot. But he rolls one out the second and takes a little while uh, you know, to kind of beat that thing out for him to field it, and he beats it out. And credit to Hunter for getting down the line. Ledbetter goes to third. You start thinking, okay, if we can avoid a, you know, a routine ground ball right here, we got a chance, got chance to get an early lead. But instead of thinking about an RBI sack fly, we get a three-run tank out of center field. Dakota Jordan absolutely hammered that baseball. It's now 3 nothing State. Now you're thinking, okay, here we go. Here we go. Then they walk Kellum Clark, and he's still second. They walk Bryce Chance, another lengthy at bat there. Get behind, he's just consistently getting behind the Bulldog hitters. So as big as the inning was, it could have been better. We had two men on with less than two outs. Hancock flies out to right, and then Imani Larry strikes out looking. But you go out there and put a crooked number up there in the first, you feel pretty good about life. Guard comes out there very efficient in the early going. Get a hooner to fly out to right. Ansley grounds out to third. A nice play by Nate Chester there, who was playing in places Slate offered. Dickey then flies out to left field. So it's a one, two, three inning for guard. Top of second, Chester, the aforementioned Chester, flies out to center. Mershon grounds out to short. Ledbetter flies out to left. And all of a sudden you think, hey, Dollander's maybe figuring some things out here. Even though he threw two first pitch balls to the three hitters he faced. You know, the Mershon at bat was fairly efficient for him, but um, – a better inning for him in the second than the first. And so they're probably thinking he's going to settle down. Tennessee challenges here in the second. Uh, Blake Burke singles to center field. Christian Moore get, you know, gets on a fielder's choice. We forced a runner at second, couldn't turn two. Just wasn't hit hard enough. Merritt is then hit by the pitch on a full count. It's going to be ball four either way, but you still hate to see that. 
Denton flies out to center field. More tags and takes third. And then uh, Scott walks. And now all of a sudden the bases are loaded. You think, hey, we're going to give up a two-out base hit here and it's going to negate much of our advantage we've gained in the first inning. But we don't. We get Cal Stark to fly out to right field on a 2-2 count. So we're out of there. Even though there was a lot of traffic on the bases, good job by Gart for getting out of it. All right, top of third, very first pitch, Hunter Hines tank to right. And there was absolutely no doubt about this. Off the bat, everybody in the stadium knew it, and most of them hated it. Dakota Jordan tries to follow and uh, fly out to relatively deep left field. And then Kellum Clark singles to right and still second. And one of the things that is pretty evident you know, I, I play catcher, and so I pay attention to a lot of stuff. Cal uh, Stark from Tennessee is a liability behind the plate. Even in warm-ups, he can't consistently throw the ball on target. More times than not, it's probably a step or two left of the bag. And I think Mississippi State recognized that, number one, they're kind of slow to the plate. But then the catcher himself is having difficulty receiving and then getting the ball out quickly on target. We took full advantage here. So Clark's still second, and now you've got a runner in scoring position with um, with less than two outs. We can't capitalize, though. Bryce Chance grounds out to short. Clark does move around to third, and then Hancock lines out to right. This is a situation here. On the road, even though you have the lead, you got to keep tacking on. you got to tack on runs. But Garp makes it hold up here in the third. Another one, two, three inning. We get a Hooner to ground out to second, and she flies out to left. Dickie flies out to center. Uh, guys, this inning is over. And what, seven pitches? Eight pitches, maybe? Very efficient. And stark contrast to what we saw in the second. So you think, hey, we're okay, we're good here, we're good. All right. Tennessee pulls, uh, Dylander brings in uh, Seacrest. No relation to Ryan, or the same spelling. Good inning for Seacrest. He gets Larry to strike out swinging, Chester grounds out the short, and Marshawn strikes out looking. So one, two, three, and a couple punches there. All right, bottom of four. Tennessee finally breaks through a little bit here. Burke singles to right, and then Moore hits a home run to center field. Merritt follows with a single, and then Denton flies into a double play here. I, don't, I think we just lost a sense here. I think Merritt just didn't know how many outs there were, or, or he just didn't think D Dakota Jordan had the range he did. An incredible play here by DJ. It looks like this ball is probably going to be off the water. I don't know that I really fault Merritt. But, guys, he was already around second base when DJ pulled that ball down in a nice relay, and we get him. Close play, but we get him. We double him off first. And, you know, that's one of those things that probably sent Tony Vitello into orbit. And then uh, Kristen Scott flies out the center field. So, two runs on the board because of the home run there. But uh, three hits in the inning could have been a much bigger inning, but a big defensive play kind of bails us out there. We record two outs kind of negate some of their momentum there. But it is a 4-2 ball game. Our top of fifth, they bring in Jenkins. State answers right back. That's the mark of a good team. Even though we're not a good team, this was a good development. When a team scores, you got to answer. You can't let people keep posting zeros against you on the scoreboard. When you got the lead, you got to keep tacking on. All right, Colton Ledbetter singles to right. And then Hunter Hines, his second home run of the day, second one, both coming on the first pitch. So you get those two runs right back. You're up 4 nothing. You're right back up 6-2. to two. And you feel like, okay, we've kind of weathered that storm a little bit. Let, let's keep going. Well, DJ then strikes out swinging, and then Kellum Clark doubles to left field. Pretty good day for Kellum Clark. They lift Jenkins and bring in Russell. 
pass ball, sends him to third, and then um, chance routine fly ball to right. Works out to be an RBI sack fly. So the pass ball kind of comes back to haunt them, and the run scores, and then Hancock lines out uh, to short. Uh, not a good day for Luke. All right, State's up 7-2 now. So not only have we answered, we have uh, – Added to our earlier lead, 7-2, and there were people in the press box and Tennessee media were already talking about a rubber game on Saturday. I didn't say anything, but I thought to myself, you guys haven't, have never seen this movie before, I can tell. All right, so we open up the fifth, and we walk Stark, and you know leadoff walks are what? Of the devil. Ahuna strikes out swinging, and we get a fly out to Inslee. You think, okay, we're going to be able to navigate through this. We're okay, we're okay. We're going to pitch around this leadoff walk, but no. Jared Dickey, then homers to right field. And now two runs are back on the board. So now instead of it being a five-run lead, it is now a three-run lead for State 7-4. We bring in Colby Holcomb, who has been really good for us in SEC play. He was not good on, on uh, Friday. We walk Blake Burke. We get behind three now to walk him. Then more doubles to right center. And um, we misplay it out there. Run scores, 7-5. Marathon singles to left. Moore comes around to score. Now it's 7-6. And that's the thing, too. If you play that ball right and center, Moore's probably still at first base. Denton then strikes out swinging. So those are the little things you think about. It's like, you know, hey, we didn't pitch it exceptionally well here, but we gave them a free base that led to another run here. So now all of a sudden it's a one-run ball game. And I can tell you the crowd that was there was jacked. They thought, you know, they were, hey, we would go from thinking this game is over and I even had one guy in the media says, man, is Tennessee going to get run-rolled here today? No, no. Brennan ends with 7-6 inning uh, after five. So we get to the six. They bring in Seth Halverson, who has been really good for them. And I was eager to see how we matched up with him. He is a guy that will pound the strike zone. Probably a little bit too reliant at times on the fastball. When he's got the breaking ball in for a strike, he is very, very good. They bring him in, and we get right to him. Amani Larry doubles off the wall and left. Chester flies out to right, uh, gets behind here, 0-2. Kind of had a defensive swing there. And then Dave Mershon singles in the center. Larry takes thirds. Now all of a sudden runners are on the corner, and Mershon says, don't worry, I got this for you guys. He takes second. So, again, we're stealing pretty much at will on Stark here. Big situation here because now all of a sudden you've got two runners in scoring position with less than two outs. Ledbetter lines out to the first baseman. Pretty crazy here. That ball absolutely hit on the screws. Man, if it's three, four feet either way, it's two runs. It ends up uh, working out in some respects because of the fact that um, Blake Burke tries to force Mershon at second, and there was nobody there to cover. And I don't even, even if they were, I don't think the throw was so poorly thrown. It was terrible. So they get the line out, and rather than getting a double play, it basically almost works out like a sack fly for us because they throw it in the left field, the run scores, and then Rashawn takes third. And now it's 8-6, so you feel like, okay, we're breathing a little bit. Well, then they intensely walk Hunter Hines, and my goodness, who could blame him? And they bring in Sewell for Halverson, and he gets DJ to strike out swinging. So state one run in the inning, but you felt like, again, we'd kind of navigated the storm a little bit. We just needed somebody to go out there and throw strikes for us. All right, bottom of six. Things didn't work out well for us here. This is when the game turned. It did. And we go back a couple things here and there. There's always a play here or there for either team. You know, it's like we kind of – we gift them a run on the misplayed ball in center, and then they gift us one by throwing the ball on the left. It doesn't just happen to us. It happens to us more frequently. All right, Scott is walked, 
and then we walk Stark. So back-to-back walks from Holcomb, and uh, the Stark at bat was fairly competitive. That's a nine-hole hitter. you got to be able to finish him. So now all of a sudden you think, well, this could be the inning. They tie it. Well, they do, and then some. We bring in Brock Tapper. He gets a hundred to strikeout looking. Ends within reaches on a fielder's choice. Now, here's what happens. We get a ground ball to third. We have a chance to turn a double play. We don't. And it's, hindsight's always 20-20, and as a baseball fielder, you got to know where you're going to go with the ball if it's hit to you. We, we hesitated a little, but then we made the turn at second, and then we throw it away. So we do get the one out. If we had been able to get two, it's a completely different deal. It is a completely different deal because we're out of the inning with an 8-6 lead. But instead, we don't turn the 5-4-3 and a run comes around to score and extends the inning. And then we, we add to our, our misery by hitting Dickey. And now all of a sudden, you got two men on and uh, Blake Burke hits a home run in center field and that thing got out of there in a hurry. 10-8 Tennessee now. An absolute nightmare of an inning, but again, a chance to get out of it. And it's self-inflicted. We go out there, walk the first two guys we see, and then have a chance to get out of it without surrendering a run, and we can't turn a double play. And it'd be one thing if, hey, we just didn't make the throw or the guy beat it out, we threw it away. And then we hit a guy. I mean, three free passes in the inning and an error. So basically, you know, four people reach base, because of our inability to execute. And you know what's crazy about it? Is all four of them scored. All four runs in this, excuse me, all four runs, three, three of those four runs are off the free passes. And then you think about the, um, the Burke home run here. Of course, uh, he hit a home run, you know, so that was really more about him. But the point that I'm making here is that we could have mitigated the damage here by just simply playing baseball. Now, I don't know if we pound his own, if those guys don't get hits to open up, but you, you got to make them hit their way on. Because there's nine guys behind you with gloves on, or eight guys behind you with gloves on. Somebody just might make a play. You got to give a defense a chance to help you. When you go out there and walk the ballpark, it's on you. We bring in Evan Sierra, and he gets uh, more to ground out to third. But uh, again, four runs in the inning for Tennessee, and uh, most of those issued by way of uh, the free pass. Again, it just didn't make a lot of sense. It just simply doesn't make a lot of sense. It doesn't. And listen, I understand blowups are going to happen in baseball. I'm not naive. I've played the game enough. I've coached the game enough. Watched the game enough. You're going to have a bad inning every now and again. But we have them with too much frequency. Our top of the seventh, come Clark grounds out the short. Chance strikes out looking. Hancock walks. And then Amani Larry strikes out swinging. Lengthy at bat there. Just couldn't, couldn't get it finished. All right, bottom of seven. Merritt grounds out to third, and then Zane Denton homers to right field. That guy's a really good player. We need to find a guy like him in the portal. Scott then doubles down the left field line. Stark singles to center field. Ahuna strikes out swinging. A lot of swing and miss in his game. And I'll be honest with you, after watching him play, and, and this will sound like I'm being a hater here, I don't think he's worth all the trouble that Tennessee had to go through, honestly. I think he's a good player. Don't get me wrong. He really is a good player, but he's not a superstar. He's not as good as Jacob Gonzalez, let's say that. Uh, Inslee then singles to center, Dickey walks, and then we bring in Cole Cheatham, and he's able to get uh, Burke to uh, ground out 
the very first pitch. It's good to see Cole back out there. I think he's been somewhat underutilized. I don't know his health situation, but uh, I know that Cole is, will at least go out there and compete. All right, it's 12-8 now with all of those, uh, you know, everything that happens in the inning. You know, the home run, the double, the single. The single. You, you, I'm just going to tell you, when you give up three hits in an inning, you're going to give up runs. That's how it works. Those are the rules. Top eight, Stegas, one, two, three. Chester strikes out swinging. Marshawn grounds out the second. Ledbetter struck out looking. Bottom eight, Cheatham again out there gives you a one, two, three inning. He gets the first guy he faces on one pitch. Comes back here in the uh, in the eighth and gets more to ground out to third. Merritt strikes out swinging. Denton strikes out looking. That's a, that's a good win right there. Zane Denton's and, and Griffin Merritt is too. That's three legit dudes right there that Cole Cheatham just goes and mows down right there. So we got a chance, not much of a chance, we got a chance. We get the top of nine. Hahn strikes out swinging. Jordan flies out the right. Clark walks. And then uh, Chance strikes out swinging. Uh, Clark takes second, but it's defensive indifference. So, you know, no, uh, no stolen base there. But uh, relatively quiet there in the ninth. And, again, it goes back. You know, again, you look at the bottom of six. State has a two-run lead. Gives up four runs. What's the difference in the ball game? Four runs. That's the decisive inning. And, of course, you know, some things there in the seventh. You know, we just couldn't get people out. But uh, give Cole Cheatham a little bit of a credit for coming out. And, uh, you know, Hunter Hines, of course, hit a couple tanks in the ball game. You know, that's the thing, too. It's like you look at this and you begin to think, this is a game we should have won. We should have won. We had some guys come out of the bullpen that couldn't get it done. Simple as that. We had some at-bats, too, that didn't go to where they should have. But, uh, but yeah, you, you Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You go on the road and you score eight runs in the SEC, you give yourself a reasonable chance of winning the ballgame. Uh, Mershon, one for five, led by two for five with two runs scored. Hunter Hines, of course, the big night, uh, three for four, three RBI, three runs scored. Dakota Jordan, one for five with three ribbies, the big fly, of course. Uh, Kellum Clark, two for three, also picked up a couple of walks. His on-base percentage is on the rise. 0 for three for Bryce Chance. He gets a ribby, a couple strikeouts. Uh, we discussed this on the jeanspage.com message boards when we talked about how Tennessee not team didn't run the bases, and I thought maybe it gives us a chance to give Ross a little time off, get Luke behind the plate and chance in lineup. We tried it. Uh, I don't know that it worked. Luke over three, Amani one for four with three strikeouts. Amani kind of up and down right now. Nate Chester 0 for four with a punch out. And uh, again, you know, the pitching numbers are what they are. Uh, your pitching hero of the day, Cole Cheatham, one in the third innings, no hits, no runs, no walks, two strikeouts. Give the kid the ball, man. 
Give the kid the ball. All right, let's get to uh, this miserable game that we had on Saturday. And again, early on, we come out swinging here. You know, we come out, you know, laying the first punch here. Um, Rashawn strikes out swinging. And listen, I'm just, let me just lay it out there for you in case you didn't know. Drew Beam is a dude at Tennessee. And the fact that he's going in game three says a lot. We, had, we probably should have beat the Lindsey kid. And we chased the Islander. So offensively, we had a really good weekend until we run into Beam. Rashawn strikes out swinging. Ledbetter pops up to short. Hines gets on on a fielding error. And then Jordan triples to left center. Cause you, so here it is. You made him pay. And the fact that Hunter Hines scored from first, hey, good for Hunter. But uh, DJ absolutely raked that ball. And uh, you don't see a lot of triples on the left side, right? They usually are the right side because it means the longer throw for the defense. Says a lot about Dakota Jordan. And uh, really good effort there. That kid hadn't quit, for sure. That kid's a winner. Those are kids you can build a team around. And Kellen Clark flies out to left. But stay a early one nothing lead, and you feel like, hey, all right, here we go. And then we go right out there and uh, give them the juice. And, yeah, granted, you know, one run in the first inning is not going to scare anybody, but it gives your dugout some confidence. And we immediately go out there and we walk Ahuna, we walk Inslee, and it's a three-run shot. It's 3-1. At this point, I knew the game was over. I just didn't know what the final score was going to be. That sounds like negative, and I'm not a negative guy, but I said, you know what? We don't have much left outside of maybe Aaron Nixon in the pen. Maybe Cole can come back and get us a little bit. But if we're going to go out there and be as erratic as we were in the strike zone against a home run hitting team like Tennessee in their own ballpark, it's going to be a short day. A long day and a short day. And this is a ball game where it got late early. All right, so Brown, uh, Bryce Burke then grounds out the second. Christian Moore strikes out swinging. Uh, Dryling, a guy that really hound. If they say he's their best freshman. He's walked and then still second. Zane Denton is then walked. And then Scott homers to right field. It's 6-1. And so four walks in the inning, and all of them score via the home run. Then a ground out to third. They basically bunted there, and that's the catcher, the nine-hole hitter doing it. Almost feels like a white flag. Uh, but anyway, so with Beam on the hill, this game was over. It was. We just didn't know it yet. We felt it in our hearts. We just didn't know for certain. All right, Connor Isaac in the lineup as your DH on uh, Saturday. He lines out to third to open the second. Hancock then flies out to center, and Amani Larry strikes out looking. Bottom of second, Tennessee goes right back to work. Ahuna singles up the middle. We bring in KC for Gerangelo. Gerangelo, not a good outing. He had back-to-back fairly good outing. He was good against Auburn. He was good against Ole Miss. was not good against Tennessee. Uh, ends we singles through the right side off KC, and then um, – we have, a, uh, we have a, a caught stealing here. That's always nice. Uh, Dickey grounds out to second, and then we intentionally walk Burke to get to Christian Moore, who hits a home run. How about that? So now it's a 9-1 game. And now I'm thinking we're going to get 10-run ruled. Uh, they bring in Griffin Merritt in place of Dryling, and uh, we get him to ground out to third. Top of third, nothing doing for State. Chester strikes out looking. Brashawn grounds out to second. Ledbetter flies out to right. Bottom of third, Tennessee scored again. Uh, Denton strikes out swinging. Then Christian Scott doubles down the right field line. Stark strikes out looking. You think we've got a chance to get out of this thing. But then Ahuna singles to left, chases Scott home. Ainsley is then walked. And we bring in Cole Cheatham. And he gets, again, first pitch, gets out of it. Gets Dickey to fly out to left field. All right, uh, top four, 
Hines strikes out swinging. Jordan is walked, and then Clark grounds into a double play. We didn't have a lot of base runners, and uh, <laughs> that one uh, is negated on a double play. All right, bottom of four, Cheatham back in there. She gets a, a strikeout of Burke, which is saying something. And then Christian Moore homers to left field. No shame in that. And then we walk Merritt, and then Denton doubles to right. We do get Scott to ground out the first, and Stark strikes out swinging. So uh, two runs in the inning. Uh, the home run to Christian Moore, and then um, Merritt scores, and that's, again, another walk that comes around, a four-pitch walk that comes around a score. So not the best of innings for Cole Cheatham. But, again, I, I admire his willingness to go out there and compete. The guy's trying to win a job. All right, top of five, Hyzak grounds out to the pitcher. Hancock flies out to left. Larry flies out to left. It's 12-1 heading to the bottom of, of five. We bring in Aaron Nixon, and some people were like, why would we bring him in now? We, we don't have a midweek game. We never got a lead at any point late in the ball game, so he needed to get work. We bring him in and um, gets a ground out of Ahuna, then ends with singles to left. Dickey then singles to right, but we come back-to-back K's and get out of it. So no scoring for Tennessee. Uh, there in the fifth, even though they had some traffic on the bases, that's the only inning on, in the game that Tennessee had in at bat they didn't score was uh, against Aaron Nixon, and that's even with a couple hits in the inning. But we bear down. We bear down and get out of it. Our top of six, we do get a base runner here and a run on the board. Chester strikes out swinging. Marshawn grounds out the verse. And then Colton Ledbetter homered the right field on a 3-1 count. And at this point, I'm starting to think, you know, hey, good for Colton, but I don't know that I want to score too much. We're not going to win this ball game. Uh, just kind of, you know, because I start thinking about last year. I started having, uh, you know, PTSD thinking about last year's Thursday night game. It's like if we extend this game, it has to go nine innings. There's no telling what the final score could be. All right, Heinzen strikes out swinging. Uh, 12-2, bottom of six. We bring in Parker Sinet. Give up a double left center to Merritt. Uh, they pinch hit Kendro for Zane Denton, and we get him to foul out to the catcher. We walk Christian Scott, and Cal starts singles through the left side, runs scores, makes it 13-2. Then we walk Ahuna. Uh, so one run in the inning, but we're able to bounce back and get Inslee and Dickey to strike out. Maybe Parker starting to figure some things out here. But uh, one run home in the inning. Top of seven. Final inning of the ball game. Final inning of the series. It's 13-2. We bring in Lane Forsyth, and he singles back up the middle on a full count. Chance then grounds into double play. And then Aaron Downs pinch hits for Isaac and strikes out swinging. And that's your ball game, 13-2. That's your your series. And uh, not a whole lot to feel good about on Saturday, to say the least. Look at the numbers here. For your Bulldogs, uh, Mershon 0 for 3, Ledbetter 1 for 3 to run scored in the RBI, Hunter Hines 0 for 3. That's a big win for them after the weekend he had a couple punchies. Dakota Jordan goes 1 for 1, also has a walk. Uh, Kellum Clark 0 for 2, Bryce Chance 0 for 1, Connor Heinzak 0 for 2. And guys, when you're only getting a hit twice in the order, ain't a good day offensively. Aaron Downs 0 for 1, Luke Hancock 0 for 2. Guys, state three hits in the ballgame. Three hits in the ballgame. One of those, an RBI triple, and one of those, a solo home run. That is not going to get it done. Uh, and, again, tip your cap to Beam, who was phenomenal, went the distance in the ballgame. All seven innings, three hits, two runs. One of them earned, of course, the Heinz run uh, scores as just the one walk and seven punch outs. Put the ball in play. You know, that's what he did. Got under barrels and forced some soft contact. We didn't have anybody pitch longer than uh, inning the third outside of KC Hunt, who went one and two-thirds of an inning. 
basically worked out to be a bit of a uh, bullpen day for us. And we only have to uh, only have to pitch six innings. That's it. And in those six innings, we allowed 13 hits, 13 runs, all of them earned, nine walks, nine strikeouts. And we did have the one intentional walk. But we threw 150 pitches in six innings on the mound. That's not efficiency at all. You all know it. I know it. And, um, yeah, I hate to say it, but the reality of it is, I mean, listen, our loyalty is to the M over S. Not a player, not a coach, not an administrator, not a ticket taker. It's about the tradition and legacy of Mississippi State baseball. And uh, we're not meeting those expectations. There has to be some change. And the chances of us uh, making postseason are essentially non-existent. Yes, mathematically, there is a possibility, but it is not probable. We're going to play three NCAA tournament teams here down the stretch, two of which are fighting for a top eight national seed. I'm just trying to win a game. I'm just trying to win a game. Uh, The one thing that we can kind of entertain entertain ourselves with at this point is Hunter Hines. Hunter Hines, uh, big weekend, has now vaulted him ahead of Mark Gillespie with 21 home runs in a single season. He now is uh, just behind Tommy Raffo, who had 22 back in 89. So his next home run ties him with Raffo. The next one would get him into the top five and tied with Brent Rooker, who, of course, won the Triple Crown in 17. And then there's some names ahead of him that uh, are very much historic. Fourth best home run season in Bulldog history is 25 from Will Clark in 85. And then Clark had 28 in 84. And then Castoria and Palmero tied at the top of 29. Uh, and, again, just think of – we talk about Thunder Lightning, and it's almost become watered down like it's a cliche, cliche excuse me. In 84, Will Clark and Rafael Palmero, 29 for Rafi, 28 for Will Clark. 57 home runs between two players. If Thunder didn't get you, Lightning would. So that's where we are. I don't think Connor will break the record. I do think it is a rather historic season that is being wasted – because if you look at these teams that all these stars played on, like the 81 team went to Omaha. You had Gillespie and Castoria both were on that team. Uh, Richard Lee, of course, 97-98, both of those were Omaha teams. We didn't go in 99. Uh, Corley had the big year in 2004, which was just an okay year for us. But uh, And Connor Powers, you know, we were still figuring some things out then. Kind of wasted him in many respects. But – you know, many of these names that are on this list, certainly the ones in the top half of the list, are guys that are on teams that went to Omaha or at least challenged for that. So, And we also have a chance, too, uh, to break the all-time school record in home runs in a season, which, again, just kind of magnifies the problems we're having on pitching and defense. The fact that we could be that close flirting with a program record in home runs and then miss the postseason, that is just absolutely unforgivable. It absolutely is. So best of luck to Hunter. It's going to be tough. Uh, but, you know, he needs eight to tie, nine to break it. I just don't know how many people are going to pitch to him. It's not about his personal ability. I don't know how many people are going to pitch to him down the stretch. But I do think he'll find a way to push him to the top five. All right, your top ten list is always brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. Visit Blair today, a mortgage professional. 
If you need to get a HELOC, if you need to do refinancing, if you need to buy a home, which is really probably one of the most important decisions you'll ever make in your life as an adult, for sure, is who to entrust your mortgage to. Blair has 22 years of experience, back-to-back-to-back years, top 1% close ratio in the country. So I'm going to encourage you to patronize the services available at CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R, B-L-A-I-R, Close with Blair, kind of like Blair from uh, Facts of Life, who I've met. Uh, so let me give you Blair's cell number just between us girls here. 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. He has closed multiple Boneyard listeners' loans. Regardless of college affiliation, something this important should be entrusted to someone that knows what they're doing, and that's Blair. Works at Fairway Mortgage, recently voted number one in customer satisfaction and mortgage loan origination. If you mention to Blair you heard about him on the Boneyard, he's going to pay for your appraisal. It's about a $500 value. A lot of fees associated with getting a mortgage approved. Nice that Blair's willing to uh, throw you a bit of a bone for being a Boneyard listener. Again, that's 601-500-2344. All right. It hit me this morning. We have some great suggestions, but it hit me. We have not done David Lee Roth solo stuff. We've done Van Halen. We've done Van Hagar. And uh, since we've done Van Hagar, we've got to do David Lee Roth. And so I broke my own rule. I did include a few covers in this one because his versions of them are so amazing. But also, you know, David Lee Roth is the guy that brought Steve Vai and Billy Sheehan really into national prominence. Steve Vai, of course, uh, was a, a very technical player but had not really hit the mainstream. And Billy Sheehan had, had some good years with Talis. But all of a sudden, the David Lee Roth band comes together that great debut full-length album, Eat Em and Smile, which was phenomenal. And uh, I love the album. I love everything on it. I really do. And so we're going to talk about those albums today. All right, top 10 David Lee Roth solo songs. Number 10, the lead track on the second album, Skyscraper. A track that's got amazing guitar tone, and again, I think it speaks well to the talent of one Steve Vai. It's a great track called Knuckle Bones. Knuckle Bones, number 10 on your list. Number nine, uh, from the uh, the album, I think, let me double check this. I believe this is going to be off of, uh, let me look here, just double check here. I, I, I apologize, I'm unprepared. I should be. It's my show, right? But uh, a song called Thug Pop off of the um, Diamond Dave album that was uh, basically an album of covers. And one of the only originals on that album is a song called Thug Pop. Pretty interesting track. Dave recently released uh, an album of covers here about uh, six weeks ago. Maybe you can check that out. But uh, this is, again, one of the last original songs that they leave off, Thug Pop, number nine on your list. Number eight off the album, Your Dirty Little Mouth, a track called Big Train. I, I dig this track a lot. Uh, it's a little different, but also, too, kind of a 
you know, similar to the David Lee Roth catalog. I started to go with She's My Machine, but I like Big Train a little bit better. And, of course, Steve Vai and those guys have obviously moved on from then. All right, so number six, off the um, – this is a, an amazing song, but uh, a great cover. It's just a gigolo everywhere I go. People know the part I'm playing. Uh, David Lee Roth, I don't know that anybody was better suited to, to uh, cover this track. Much different than everything else he'd done in his catalog before. All right, number six, a song off of Eat Em and Smile that most people don't know is a cover. And the guitar on this is absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely amazing. Some of the best work Steve Vai's ever done. It's Tobacco Road. I love the vocal on it. That's an old blues track from the 40s. And they worked it out really good. Tobacco Road. There's some palm muting on this that I think um, kind of makes it Unique in many respects. Number five off the EP, Crazy from the Heat. This is when we first realized that maybe things at Van Halen weren't going to work out. It is a great rendition of the Beach Boys classic, California Girls. A huge, huge hit for David Lee Roth. Number four, and I suspect that this final four, we probably would all agree these are the top David Lee Roth solo tracks. We may not agree on the order, but I think we would agree these are amazing tracks. Number four, off the, um, the title track, off of the third solo album, third full-length solo album, A Little Ain't Enough from David Lee Roth. The track is A Little Ain't Enough. Love the guitar on this one. Not a Steve Vai joint, but pretty phenomenal track. And uh, the vocal on it is quintessential David Lee Roth. think you'll enjoy that one. Number three, off the Skyscraper album. I believe this was the uh, lead track. I think this is the first single off this. And uh, some pretty interesting percussion on this one. It's Going Crazy. Going Crazy, your number three track. Number two, also from Skyscraper. It's Just Like Paradise. Great tune, Steve Vai, absolutely Amazing on this one. And uh, this is the one, too, where uh, Steve debuts the double neck guitar in the video. And now he does all kind of crazy stuff. He has the Hydra now, another multi-neck guitar. It's amazing. I saw him in Birmingham uh, late last year, early this year, late last year. Really excited to do that. And uh, ended up spending the night with my buddy Henry. Henry's a Boneyard listener. I appreciate Henry's hospitality. But number one for me is Yankee Rose. The guitar on this is next level. And uh, if you're a fan of Steve Vai, you're a fan of this song. And I remember there were so many people in high school, we were all trying to pick out guitar, and people were like, I can't play this. This is absolutely impossible. Steve Vai, in many respects, kind of changed the game. You know, Eddie Van Halen, a legend, as is Steve Vai. Steve, much different than Eddie and the things that he does. Much, much different guy. And uh, Steve, of course, uh, was um, the devil's guitar player in the Ralph Macchio and Jamie Gertz movie Crossroads when they had the cutting heads competition. Steve Vai represented the devil, and he lost to uh, Lightning Boy Martone. I think Jamie Gertz is the highlight of the show, but that's my personal opinion. But uh, all of a sudden, 
Steve I becomes a national sensation due to the song Yankee Rose. A lot of people wondered who he was, and the next thing you know, Yankee Rose hits the scene, and it's just absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Everything about this song is great. Love the vocals, but to me, the difference in this song and many others is how incredible the guitar work is. So that's your top 10 solo David Lee Roth songs. If you have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out and let us know. You can find me on all forms of social media at Scout Steve R. And find Roy at Dogmatic67, D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. Roy texted me a little disappointed we didn't do a top 10 list on Friday. He says, hey, I don't feel like I'm earning my check. You know, uh, there is no check, but the benefits are incredible. But I appreciate Roy's contributions to our show. Roy is my friend. And uh, Roy is your friend, too, so maybe give him a follow on Twitter. He's not going to tweet out pictures of his food or anything like that. It's usually just our list and some relatable Mississippi State content. Roy's just not that kind of guy. He's not a guy that's flooding his feed you know, with extraneous content. So be sure and uh, follow him. And, of course, our great lists appear on Spotify also under Roy's channel, Dogmatic67. And I uh, appreciate your support of the top ten list all these many years. Of course, this started way back in covid and here we are, uh, you know, three years later, still doing it. And still unearthing some uh, legendary acts to do some lists with, right? David Lee Roth. Pretty awesome. I think we've done Sammy Hagar solo stuff. Why have we not done David Lee Roth? That, that's, a, uh, that's a party foul for sure. All right, next segment of the show brought to you as always by campusbookmart.net. Uh, uh, love Campus Bookmart. Go by and check them out when you're in town on the backside of campus. Very easy to find. The selection unsurpassed. A lot of people make the claim that they have the most Mississippi State merchandise. So they're wrong. That's hyperbole and advertising. Campus Bookmart stands alone when it comes to your selection for Mississippi State merchandise. Miss Kathy Brown doing a phenomenal job buying merchandise for you so you can outfit your family, your home, your pet, your office, whatever, with the latest in Mississippi State merchandise and clothing. When I go in, I always spend money. I'm never just browsing there. I'm always going to look to buy something, and I always find what I need, whether it be a picture frame for a gift for somebody. And uh, with graduation coming up, many of you are thinking, hey, I've got a bulldog that's about to graduate from Mississippi State. Well, you need to get him a diploma frame right there at uh, Campus Bookmark. As a matter of fact, that will likely be my next purchase from Campus Bookmark. I'd like to have that. Uh, I like for my Bulldog graduates uh, that share my last name and DNA to be able to proudly display their diploma. So if you've been thinking about that, and there are a lot of places out there you could buy it, buy it from Campus Bookmark. Be sure and, uh, and check that out. And we're happy to save you a little money too for you being a part of our family. When you go to campusbookmart.net, use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson, and that gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bones, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. All right, let's uh, take a quick look back at around the league. Did not go the way we hoped in some respects. Went the way we expected in others. Pretty nuts, man. It really is. It's just really disappointing. It's just so disappointing. I'm not going to sit here and belabor the fact, but it's disappointing. All right, so as you mentioned, uh, you know, Arkansas and, and Tennessee both went on Thursday. And so you come back into Friday's game and the full league is in action. 
game and the full league is in action. But that's just part of the deal, right? We got to keep rolling. We got to keep rolling. We haven't been. All right, so Arkansas takes game two to win the series against A&M. LSU wins 8-6 over Alabama. LSU was up big and gave up some runs late. Uh, Vanderbilt, very competitive series with Kentucky, but they win at 6-4 on uh, Friday. And then Florida, 11-1 winners over Missouri. It still goes back. You look, the fact that Missouri took a three-game series from Tennessee just blows your mind. Auburn on the road at South Carolina wins the first game 8-3. I think a lot of people probably said, well, it's not going to work out. Ole Miss also wins uh, game one against Georgia 7-3. And those are a couple of upsets here that uh, I wasn't really expecting. All right, we get into the uh, Saturday games. Arkansas completes the sweep of A&M. They're now 9-12 kind of coming back to reality. That's a team that has not performed up to expectations. There were a lot of people that thought, hey, they were a sleepy pick to get into Omaha this year. I, I don't see it. And then there's talk that Nathan Detmer may be injured. We'll see. Florida, 11-7 winners over Missouri to take the series. And then Georgia, even the series with Ole Miss 7-3. And, of course, Tennessee uh, completes a sweep of the Bulldogs. And then Vanderbilt, 9-3 winners over Kentucky to take that series. And then Auburn, on the road in South Carolina, wins 9-5. Did we wake them up? And then LSU, 12-8 winners over Alabama. We get into uh, Sunday, and that was a travel day for me, so I didn't get a chance to watch anything. A competitive game between Florida and Missouri, but Florida completes a three-game sweep, 8-7. to seven. And then LSU, a wild one with Alabama. LSU wins 13-11 to to complete the sweep there. And then Ole Miss hangs on 8-7 to take a series over Georgia. Uh, the Rebels now a game behind the Bulldogs in the SEC standings. And we've talked about how favorable their May schedule is compared to ours. Uh, to be honest with you, it is just simply a matter of time before they catch and or pass Mississippi State in the standings. Uh, Kentucky. A chance to take game three against Vanderbilt. They, they desperately need it. They didn't get it. Vanderbilt walks it off 3-2 uh, to win the ball game. And then South Carolina salvages the Saturday game. And it, wasn't, it wasn't, wasn't easy. It took three Auburn errors to kind of open the door there for them. But South Carolina wins 8-7. So the Tigers have won two series in a row after not winning one the entire year. Uh, kind of looking ahead to the schedule. Of course, no game scheduled for tonight, but there will be some games uh, tomorrow night. Mississippi State does not have a midweek game. Uh, Ole Miss will host Arkansas Little Rock. Florida hosts Florida State. That game's actually going to be played in Jacksonville, Florida. Georgia hosts Kennesaw State. Tennessee hosting Wofford. Missouri hosts Kansas. Vanderbilt will host Georgia State. Arkansas will host Lipscomb. Lipscomb becoming a regular SEC non-conference opponent. Texas A&M fighting Tarleton State. Uh, that's where uh, your friend uh, Mason Miller is these days. And then LSU will host Southeastern Louisiana. So it should be a good night for the Southeastern Conference. Let's take a quick look at the standings here. It's tough, man. All right, Vanderbilt now leads the SEC again. They, they stumbled their toe, but they're back. They clearly have some staying power. Now 16-5, South Carolina 14 and 6. Of course, South Carolina didn't play that third game with LSU, so there's basically a half game there. But in the winning percentage, uh, they're ahead of Florida because they're a game up in the loss column. Florida now 14 and 7. 
uh, in the league and, and trending towards some pretty big things. Kentucky now 11-10. and 10. I told you guys at the beginning of the year I thought they'd make the tournament. We knew their May schedule was going to be tough. They're 11-10. and 10. I think they have a chance to get in with 13 wins. 14 certainly does it. you got nine SEC games left. They basically just have to avoid being swept. The problem they've had, though, of course, is they've lost four series in a row. So now 30 and 13 overall, I still like them to get in. And what's interesting, I have some people say, oh, see, they shouldn't get in. Uh, guys, they're in the same position Tennessee's in. 11 and 10 in the league and 30 and 14. The difference is Tennessee is just trending in a better direction. But Kentucky's been a much better road team, 10 and 9, while Tennessee is 1 and 9. Most of Tennessee's non-conference games, of course, have been played uh, right there at Lindsey Nelson. Uh, Georgia now 8-13, and 13, but because of the fact they get a win over Ole Miss, they're able to pick up, uh, put a game between themselves and Mississippi State. 24-20 and 20 overall. Missouri now 5-16 and 16 and dead last in the SEC. Uh, tie with Ole Miss. You get to the West, LSU now, of course, uh, the big sweep over Alabama makes them 15-5. and five. That is a two-team race between LSU and Arkansas. LSU, of course, holds a tiebreaker, but there can't be one unless Arkansas drops a game uh, due to weather. But the Razorbacks now 14-7 and seven after a three-game sweeping of, of Texas A&M. Alabama, Auburn, A&M all logged jammed right there together with a 9-12 and 12 record in the conference. And then there's your Bulldogs 6-15 and 15, and Ole Miss 5-16. and 16. So the Rebels a game out. Bulldogs clinging to the 12th seed in the SEC tournament. And that is absolutely unacceptable. That should never be our goal just to make Hoover. You know, at this point, we're all just kind of hoping and praying, hey, let's just find a way you know, to kind of prolong the season because we love it so much. But the fact that we're in this position, it's just not acceptable. It's not. It's not consistent with the expectations we have for our baseball program or the tradition on which it's built. Absolutely, absolutely dreadful situation that we're having to sweat this thing out. With nine games left, we should already have clinched the spot in Hooper not even be worried about this. But here we are for the second straight year. And I asked Lamontis about that, and he goes, man, I feel like it's a Groundhog Day. And that's how many of us feel, too. And that's where there's a lot of reluctance about, you know, some people throwing their support behind Lamonas. I think we can all agree, you know, most of our issues are on the, on the pitching side. And so you, you would hope that maybe if Lamonas can make a change there, uh, we can right the ship. Offensively, we're good enough to win most ball games. But you can't go out there thinking, I got to go out there and put up double-digit runs every game to give my team a chance. And we had a stretch there. You know, we, we pitched it fairly well against Auburn. We pitched it good against Ole Miss uh, in four games. And as I said on Bo Bowen's show, maybe that's more of an indictment on Ole Miss than it is us. They couldn't exploit that pitching staff, and the Bulldogs have a 3-1 record against Ole Miss. The difference is, is uh, we expect to beat Ole Miss. That should be like the minimum standard, right? I mean, at the very least. But the, we're not going to hang our hats on what would beat Ole Miss. That, that doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things. We're a blue blood program, and we're not being played like we're not playing like one. That's the reality of life. We are not playing up to our expectations. All right, Bulldogs, of course, I told you, not going to have a midweek game. And um, we'll recap, of course, the night that was on Tuesday. There is the one Wednesday game, South Carolina at Winthrop. And looking ahead to your weekend, uh, Ole Miss and Missouri will get underway on Thursday, and Vanderbilt will beat Arkansas. Those are your two Thursday series. One's on SEC Network, the other on ESPNU. Uh, We get into Friday when the full – slate of teams is in order Tennessee's at Georgia South Carolina is at Kentucky that's a huge series for both teams uh, Ole Miss of course at Missouri Florida at A&M LSU at Auburn Arkansas is here and Vanderbilt of course at Alabama so 
this will be kind of a moving weekend for all these teams in the middle of the pack. You know, Mississippi State against an Arkansas team that has really been up and down. But they're tough. Even when they're not scoring a bunch of runs, they're finding a way to get Ws. The difference is that Arkansas, and we'll preview them uh, as we get later in the weekend, Arkansas is exceptionally good at home and uh, maybe not so good on the road, which is kind of standard protocol, right? Nobody plays as well on the road as they do in their own home ballpark. But Arkansas has proven to be a very good team in recent years at Duty Noble Field. And with our propensity to give up home runs, we're going to have to pitch it well. We are. Arkansas is not going to give you anything. I'm, I'm just going to tell you, that, that's, just, that's a team that is going to work exceptionally hard to play quality baseball. So we're going to have to bring our best effort. And it almost, it almost feels like an exercise in futility. You're going to have to come out and say that over and over and over again. You know, it's like, well, here's where we are. Here's what we're doing. we got nine SEC games left. Three series, and I don't think there's anybody anywhere that would expect us to win any of those three series. And so the best we can hope for at this point is win just enough games to get to Hoover. And then you and I both know you get to Hoover, maybe you win a game, and then you're done. You know, this team does not have the depth on the mound and has not shown the ability to consistently throw strikes over a full week's time, but maybe once this year. And so anybody that's holding out hope for, hey, if we can just get to Hoover, we can make a run and make a tournament, I just, I'm, I'm just telling you, I think you're setting yourself up for disappointment. I think we all kind of see the reality of this thing now. And for some people, I'll tell you, there's some people that you know, fairly early on and we kind of labeled them as, oh, they're just being negative. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We didn't figure it out. And again, I go back to that Auburn series. You lose that game. You, you, you think about the Friday night games. You blow that one. You blow the one against Ole Miss. You blow the game one against Kentucky. It'd be a much different story today. You'd still be the same team, though. You'd still have the same weaknesses. you just have a few more wins. We're not a good baseball team. We're not. We're not playing good baseball. We've got a few guys out there putting together some pretty good individual performances. You know, Colton Ledbetter's a guy that may play his way into the first round. But uh, there's a lot that we've got to figure out here in the next uh, nine months, certainly. We have a lot to figure out, and I think that's an important aspect of every bit of this. What's next? All right, final segment of the show brought to you by your friends at Portico. I've told you guys many times before, if I was moving to Starkville, I would move to Portico. It's so conveniently located to the Mississippi State campus, just 1.1 miles away from all things Bulldog. You turn off 82 on 12, like going towards campus, the very first ride is Pat Station Road, a little short four-way stop there. There's Portico on the right. That's how close it is. You could run to campus if you wanted to. Whatever you'd like to do, it's great. You could start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home, go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home. And uh, anything in between. You need a custom build that can accommodate you with that, carrying the guys doing a great job, uh, kind of making those options available to you. So you can have some say in how your home is built. You can pick out a lot, pick out a housing plan. doesn't have to be a cookie-cutter type deal. If you need more information, I'm certain you do. Give our friend Brooks Bryan a call at 601-416-8075. Again, 601-416-8075. And he'll hook you up. Whether it's your primary residence, your second home, perhaps uh, your future retirement home and investment property, I don't know what your needs are. But Brooks has a plan for each and every one of you. Be sure to check him out today. Make Portico your next move. Okay, the NCAA transfer portal window closed uh, at midnight. 
And uh, we did have a couple more Bulldogs uh, slide under the fence on their way out. And uh, a lot of reaction about that. Uh, I'm going to give you my, my take on it, too. But uh, let's take a click. I told you guys way back in December we're going to have going to have a handful of guys hit the portal. Now, here's the first thing that I'll tell you, and some people will disagree, and that is perfectly fine with me. Uh, most of these guys have gone in the portal are developmental young guys, and so they're not difference makers now, but perhaps could have been later. And so, yeah, there is some traffic out there, and you say, hey, it doesn't make us a, a, a worse team this year next year or the next year. That's why it's so important. You've got to fill these scholarship slots with people that can be impact players. But a lot of these guys, obviously, don't have a lot of production under their belt. But what happens, it kind of erodes your depth and you're in the developmental pipeline. I don't always share the same evaluation of players that uh, some other people do. I don't. Maybe you do, but I don't. Um, I watch film myself, and uh, I, I've watched enough high school football in person and watching that film over the years. I feel like I've got a pretty good idea when the guy's an SEC guy uh, when they're not, or perhaps a guy that is going to take some seasoning, right? So let's run down the list here. Uh, William Hardrick, of course, uh, went in some time ago. He was a guy, uh, a two-star cornerback that we took from Arkansas State, and there was talk that he might even gray shirt. And then we take him, and it was a – all due respect to William – it was a head-scratcher take even back then, so it's no surprise he's in the portal. But we appreciate his contributions to Mississippi State Athletics. He hung in here for a while, gave us his best effort, but he wasn't going to ever play here. Uh, Marquez Dorch, uh, he transfers out. Of course, that's a former Ole Miss commitment. A lot of people thought he would be going with M.J. Daniels up to Ole Miss, and eventually M.J. Daniels leaves too. Maybe the George County connection is just not a very good one. But uh, Dorch is a guy that uh, we thought would be a guy that could really help us. And he wanted to play wide receiver. Ole Miss wanted him in corner. We gave him an opportunity to play. He showed some real flashes last year. I know back during bowl practices, he was a guy. I was like, oh, this, this guy might have something. Then there's a change in the scheme. He likes to leave. He hadn't picked a destination yet. And that's okay. Uh, Lucas Taylor is a guy, former LSU commitment that came in. We had some high hopes for him and really thought that uh, he might be our center of the future. He goes in the portal here a couple weeks ago and is now headed to South Alabama, which is uh, you know, closer to home. I like Lucas Taylor a lot, like his family a lot. He was always going to be limited position-wise in the Southeastern Conference and probably have to be an interior lineman, more, more likely a center. But I uh, hated to see him leave, not just because, you know, you like him as a person, because this is not the Boy Scouts, right? But I thought he was the guy that was going to be able to help us. Jackson Cannon was a guy that uh, we took as a developmental guy, and, uh, and he's gone too. And, and, again, I think schematically, I think he was a guy that maybe fit the air raid, but maybe he doesn't really fit what we want to do now. There's going to be a much bigger run blocking component to this. And I think he's a guy that was really more of a pass setter, uh, Mason Miller really liked him, and Jackson Cannon was a guy that really kind of recruited Mississippi State in the beginnings. He wanted to come here. Uh, Caden Pope was a guy, of course, that uh, we signed out of Tennessee, and uh, we thought Tennessee might take him late. They didn't, and uh, it just never really kind of came together here. And I like Caden Pope's film a lot. I had uh, a Bulldog fan up in that neck of the woods that alerted me about him really 
maybe two years before he was a, a true prospect. And this is a guy to watch. And, of course, we do some things with him, kind of get his name out there, and he ultimately becomes a Bulldog. But I never really got on the field. And, uh, again, I think we got a little bit slot receiver heavy here at Mississippi State here in recent years. And with us, depending on perimeter blocking, you're going to have to get some bigger, bulkier receivers that can be more physical at the point of contact. I think we had maybe skewed too much towards smaller, quicker receivers. You run off the tight ends and you replace them with guys that uh, can run a slip grade, right? Caden Pope kind of part of that. Davion Collins, and I'll be honest with you, I'll say it now. I, I Honestly, I know some other people are really high on him. I never was. I thought he was more of a squat corner. Uh, he doesn't match the mold of what the Darcel McBath corner has been. You look at Emmanuel Forbes. You look at uh, you look at Martin Emerson. You look at Cameron, excuse me, and uh, Decameron Richardson. The long, lean, physical, athletic corner. That's what we're looking for. And Davion really didn't fit that profile. Not to say that he didn't have a role here, and there were some times he did some things. But I could tell you, it's like he'd make a play in practice or make a play in a scrimmage, and everybody would kind of ooh and ah. But there were a lot of other times too where, where he didn't make plays. And so the thing that I've always worried about is when you have a guy like that that's uh, three states away and he commits so early and then there's never any hesitation, we're not that good a recruiter, right? What that tells me is maybe his options are not as plentiful as we, we thought. But I'm not surprised to see a Davion Collins in the portal. I am a little surprised to see Wesley Miller in the portal. Of course, the knock on him has always been foot speed. And when we have the needs we have at safety and he can't get on the field, clearly that is an issue against SEC caliber players. I uh, wish Wesley the best. He is an outstanding young man. And uh, from just down the road there at Heritage, I remember spending some time, time with him and uh, going and interview him in person. Uh, really thought he would be a guy that could develop and maybe into a solid two-deeper. Uh, that didn't work out. But uh, best of luck. Uh, Janoris Hobson's a guy that I liked a lot, too. So when saw him in person at 707 camp over in Alabama, he was kind of, it reminded me a little bit of Tubby Lewis. He reminded me of Jamie on a little bit, too, because not just size and skill-wise, but he just kind of had that same edge to him. I thought he could be a similar player. But, again, we kind of get a little bit slot heavy, and we need some bigger outside guys. And so I think he's kind of washed up in some of that. And uh, – I think a lot of him and his family and wish them the absolute best. And a surprise uh, to all of us, Justin Brown, a freshman, enrolled early and now he's leaving and people want to know why. We don't know why. You never know what's going on in a young person's life. Maybe he's homesick. Maybe he's just like, you know what, maybe I just don't want to do this. You know, maybe this – I signed up to come play in the air raid. Now they're going to be running it and showing a lot more balance. Maybe this doesn't fit me anymore. Maybe. Now, if memory serves me correct, this takes us down to 82 scholarships. Just people, they react. Oh, we're we'll losing all these guys. We're going to have a team. Well, yes, we're going to have a team. Yes, we're going to have some incoming traffic too. Of course, you know, it's Aquarius Bivy has joined us. Uh, and then uh, Rowling Godet has joined us. But, uh, you know, we got some room, and we got some other guys out there. We do expect another transfer uh, to announce for the Bulldogs here in the next day or two. And, of course, there will be some other guys we're kind of working through. There is a possibility, of course, that uh, 
we add a junior college offensive lineman. It was a full qualifier uh, out of high school. And, um, you know, we'll kind of see how that, that, that goes. But it's Markel Bell out of Cleveland, Mississippi, by way of Holmes County Community College. Uh, he's there. And so he's a guy that could enroll now. Now, if we wait around to next year, we're going to have a fight on our hands because he is a full qualifier and everybody else has the same ability that we do to go get him. So you may see him announce here in the coming days that he is joining the team. And we do expect at least one of the transfer from the portal. If you add those two, that gets you to 84 and you got some room to work. And uh, State's still out there working. Of course, you had some guys come in and take some visits. So 82 scholarships now. I'll double-check that between now and Wednesday, but I believe that's correct. We were at 84, and then we had two go in today. So the math should work in our favor that it is 82, which gives you some room to work with. It always works out. The numbers have a way of working out. And a lot of times people don't fully appreciate the fact that this is a good thing for both the player uh, and the program. You're doing a disservice to a young man or young lady to eat up their eligibility if they're not going to contribute here. That's the important thing to understand. It's not good for them. It's not good for us. And it's not good for the other individual out there that might need that scholarship spot and be able to make a contribution. People get so hung up, well, nobody's a man of their word or whatever. You know, sometimes the people breaking their word is us. You know, sometimes we don't lose them, they lose us, they lose the opportunity here. And, and usually the way that works is like, you know, listen, I know in the past under the lead staff, I don't know how the new staff will do business, but I suspect probably in a very similar way, Dan Mullen did this thing as well. When guys got ready to transfer, if you had guys that are worried about playing time, there are times that our coaches get on the phone and say, hey, we got a kid here, he's, he's good enough to play here, but he's never going to crack the starting lineup bar an injury. You know, it's like a lot of those guys that went to Southern Miss – you know, once we kind of sat down with those kids and said, hey, here's where you are, you know, we reached out to Southern Miss and said, hey, listen, got some kids here, some Mississippi kids specifically that can play and probably play at your level. So we don't just leave them twisting in the wind. But the reality of it is that the game has changed. And you guys were very prepared that we were going to have a run of transfers in the spring transfer window. And we have. So it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. And now we'll add some guys, and we'll get ready to get into summer workouts. So you'll see some new names pop up, maybe you're not quite as familiar with, that will be joining your football program here in the next few weeks. Because today is the last day of spring class, and then we'll get ready for, uh, for summer, you know, for summer school. So over the course of the next uh, couple, two to three weeks, you're going to see some people announce. And again, could be Markel Bell, but we do expect a transfer to announce at any moment. Could, could be when you're listening to this show. Don't know. Could be a guy that comes in and fills a need for us. And um, I'm not gonna, we're going to give the young man the opportunity to announce his decision, right? Uh, but So there is some outgoing traffic, and that seems to always get more publicized because we have some of our fans have a very negative tenor about life. Oh, my gosh, what are we doing? And it always works out. We can only have 85 on scholarship. And when we oversign the way we did, you've got to have some guys leave. And some guys are urged to leave in a nice way. It's like, hey, listen, you're not going to play here. We're going to be honest with you about it. We'll help you find a landing spot. And you move on. You do. But, um, 
Yeah, the Justin Brown thing is a little bit surprising. Um, again, I'm, I wasn't as high on him as some other people were, but uh, I do think he is a guy that had the ability to, to develop. And the fact that he showed up as a, an early high school graduate and had the benefit of spring under his belt, you were hoping that perhaps maybe he could be a guy that could contribute some this year. But, you know, things are evolving at Mississippi State. You know, we don't need to have all the receivers that we had. Remember, because we didn't have tight ends. So now all of a sudden – we're getting tight ends on the roster. Well, well, where do those scholarship grants come from? Well, they're going to come from receivers. You know, we called some tight ends, quote, inside receivers. You know, people forget Spivey and, and Cumbus and all were a part of that. I told everybody back then what was shared with me with our Washington State people. He goes, oh, any tight ends you have, they're either going to have to learn to play defensive end, bulk up and play tackle, or thin up and play wide receiver. Not going to have tight ends. And people go, like, oh, no, it's going to be fun. No. It wasn't fine. It wasn't. We eliminated the position. We didn't even have a tight end coach here. Inside receiver coach coached the quote tight ends, but it's funny after that first spring, all of a sudden the tight ends came up missing. Now you get Spivey back, and I think this is a scheme that is more you know commiserate with his abilities and his skill set. But that's where we are. And there again, transfer portal window's done. So nobody can announce or they can't officially enter the portal again until after the fall semester. This is a better way of doing things. It's one of the things that we advocated for for the better part of a year. Is A coach shouldn't have to be fearful that he can go in there and have a meeting with a kid and have take some corrective action or some disciplinary action, and then he can just go run and get in the portal. Because as soon as they're in the portal, other teams can contact them. And once they go in – it's pretty rare to get him out. Now, we had some success getting Tulu and Xavion Thomas out. And that's another thing, too, we talked about, too, with the February 1 deadline. You know, in order to uh, transfer to an SEC school, you had to be in by February 1st. And so when we survived that with Tulu, we thought we were good. And then everybody said, well, there could always be a change in the rule. Well, now the portal window is closed, so it kind of rules all that moot. It's important to understand. So, you know, barring something totally unforeseen, Xavion and um, Tulu, be right back. And there were some people, of course, that uh, are upset about some things on Twitter and they probably misread some things. And let me remind you guys of this. While we are all extremely obsessed with college athletics, we are. Not everything that a young person tweets or posts on Instagram or whatever, or whatever uh, social media platform they're utilizing, not everything is about football. Not everything is about baseball. You know, these people are also kind of figuring out serious relationships for the first time in their life. And we live in a society now where most people, anything that goes on in their life, they put it out there. And some of it's very passive aggressive, right? You got to be careful with the ones that, uh, you know, that say they're loyal and they're not. Well, a lot of times that's got nothing to do with football. But we have some insecure fans at times that think it does. So we misconstrue everything. But a student athlete tweets and we take that personal. I'm sure it's like that in your regular relationships too. You know, it's like sometimes you just we, we can't afford to let the people around us be human. You can't have a bad day around us because we're going to take it personal. Do you, know, you don't love me anymore? What? I was having a bad day. So you got to give room for young people to have a bad day. There's sometimes they have a may have a test to take or, you know, may have had a coach kind of get in them sideways or whatever. There's always something. 
It doesn't mean every time somebody puts something out there that's cryptic that you don't understand, they're going to go get in the transfer portal. And, of course, now you can have the security of knowing, and more importantly, your coaches have the security of knowing of who they can expect to be here when fall camp opens because now the window is closed. That's a big thing. It is. It really is. It's a better way to do business. The way we were doing it before, we had skewed things too far in the in the direction of student athletes. It's like, well, I can just get in a portal whenever I want to. I can negotiate an NIL deal whenever I want to with whoever. And that's now a component of the transfer recruiting process. You know, it's something we got to get curtailed now. We've made some changes to the portal. I think we can all kind of live with because it's not going away. Now we got to get some our arms around this NIL thing too, and and maybe there's some amateurism certifications type stuff that's got to take place here too. And that was a thing too in the past. We never had to worry about that, and there were some bad decisions. And by and large, everybody understood the rules. I don't know that everybody does now. And it's not as important that you and I understand it, but the people that the players themselves. I mean, we have people out there nowadays that are approaching young people about NIL deals. That uh, you know the your compliance department or the NCAA and the SEC office are unaware of. You know, there has to be a deal in place. And there was some compliance tools put in place in the beginning about, you know, the young man supposed to, uh, to report the deal of the compliance. They put it in the computer. It's like a, you know, there's a whole format they have to follow. And now the way this thing has exploded, you and I both notice things aren't getting reported the way they should be. And if they're not reported, then it's considered an impermissible benefit. But there are a lot of people that are doing things out there under the guise of NIL that aren't what was truly intended. And so we've got to fix that aspect of it. And people say, Steve, I don't like any of this. You know, I don't either. I don't like the fact that it rains sometimes when I go to a festival to either. But I have to kind of learn to live with it. I don't get a say in that either. I guess if I want to go, I mean, if you don't, if you don't want to follow college athletics, you don't have to. Nobody's making you do it. But the reality of it is, is the landscape in college athletics is changing, and we have to be prepared to change with it, or we're going to get left behind. We are. I'm a big fan of Charlie Winfield, and uh, I think Charlie may deserve a statue somewhere on campus and all this is said and done, because if we didn't have Charlie Winfield, we would be in a world of hurt when it comes to NIL. And we still have a lot of work to do. And I'm not, this is not my pitch. I'm not going to get up here and try to make anybody feel guilty. But I'm just going to tell you, we've got to do some things to make ourselves more competitive on the NIL front. We do. We do. Simple as that. And I know it's like we have this get-off-of-our-lawn mentality. It's like, well, when I was a kid, hey, you know, things have changed. Things have changed. And you know what? When we were kids, it wasn't the same than when our parents were kids. You know, there's evolution in life, and not all of it is positive. I guess it depends on what side of the fence you're sitting on. You know, I'm a person that believes in commitment, too. When you tell somebody you're going to do something, you should. And when I don't do it, it bothers me more than it does you, I can promise you. When I disappoint somebody, I can tell you it's something that I take very personally, period, whether it be personally or professionally. I hate being that person that somebody can't count on. I always want to be that person that people, you know, when Steve says somebody's going to do it, I take a lot of pride in my word. But I also understand, too, that uh, I'm from a different generation. You know, we didn't have the opportunities afforded to us that many young people do today. So, you know, their word is somewhat conditional. And you can say, what's well, unfortunate? It is. But we can cry about it or we can try to get out there and find a way to compete and fight it. Well, you know, what are we going to do? Going to leave the SEC? Going to play NAI ball? That's what we're going to do? No. We've got to find a way. We've got to evolve. And, again, I think the NCAA legislation will catch up 
I know it's like almost like dealing with the federal government. It takes forever to get any things done. I do think we're going to have a national policy, and it may actually be a national law that governs NIL that makes it a level playing field. I think that's going to happen at some point, and we'll see how things go. But, again, I think this is the, uh, the albatross of the Mark Embert administration. It's their ineptitude and inaction that brought us to this point. They had every opportunity to do something to correct this, and now it's Pandora's box. And so now Greg Sankey and many others got to figure this thing out. Got to figure it out, and we do. And, and programs like ours are the ones that we got to be, you know, a little pickier than most. You know, we don't have the money to throw around that many other people do, and I'm not one of these poor old state mentality people, but it's interesting. There's so many people that are that think, ah, oh, you know, I can't do that. I want to do that. I went and bought a shirt at Walmart. It's enough. No, it's not enough. It's not. And then we're going to wonder, well, what I don't understand. And I'll, I'll, I'll say this, too. The last thing we'll say before we uh, get out of here. I believe Zach Arnett is a brilliant person and a brilliant football coach. Every button that he's pushed has been correct. The people that have talked to him and the road dogs to have been so incredibly impressed with him. Zach is the real deal. He is. Zach is going to be successful here. How successful he is is largely going to depend on how we handle NIL. Because it's not going to be about coaching or development or strategy or scheme. It's going to be about talent. Are we going to be able to do enough to secure and retain the talent necessary for Zach Arnett to move this football program forward? That's what it's going to boil down to. He's going to be able to put a game plan together, but will he have the players that can execute it at such a proficiency that we can win at a high level? That's what's ultimately going to determine Zach Arnett's career here at Mississippi State. It is, and I think that's one of the main reasons you've seen him go out and talk about these things. He recognizes that. So if we want Zach Arnett to be successful, we've got to give him a chance. We do. We've got to do our part. All right, if you hadn't done so, go to dogpilethebook.com, and you can get most of my sports books there. You can get Alpha Dogs and uh, Dogpile and, of course, Flim Flam there. And if you're looking for Stark Villains, you'll have to get it at a bookstore. Uh, the last probably 20 copies are out there in bookstores, and when they're gone, they're gone. Don't know when we're bringing it back. Maybe next year. Maybe not. But if you don't have it, you need to go get it. Uh, but you can find the other ones and complete your collection. It's so interesting, too. I, I meet people when I'm out of state. They say, hey, I bought your book. I say, which one? Oh, you wrote more than one? Yeah, I wrote five. Yeah, so uh, get up to date on that. And uh, if you have a Bulldog fan in your family that perhaps hasn't completed the Steve Robertson catalog, here's a good gift idea for you. Go to Dog Pile the Book, and you can get what you need to fill out their collection. Blooms of Oleander, of course, always available at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, BooksMillion.com. And I'm not going to renew the licensing agreement on that one for next year. So once that's gone, that's gone too. I think we have seen our, I think we've sold all the books we're going to sell in that respect. And so uh, that'll be done. Not going to renew that this year. Uh, so be mindful of that. And uh, of course, they're after me to write another book this year. We're going to sit down and talk about that soon. And we'll see how things go. Uh, Stark Villains gear always available at StarkVillains.com. And if you're not a member of our band of misfits over at jeanspage.com, you should be. The Mississippi State Affiliate for 247 Sports. Proud to be a part of that great organization. Uh, things are going great. Things are going absolutely wonderful. Even though baseball hasn't been great, uh, we still have some very spirited discussions over there and still have a lot of traffic. So we'd love for you to come be a part of that. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. 
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.